Well, thank you so much, Josh. It's awesome to be able to join you again from wherever you are in the world. Uh, greetings from a very chilly Sherman, Texas. It's good to be home. It's good to be back after our travels all the way to South Africa. And I know you probably enjoyed the message last week from South Africa, but this week it's really awesome to be able to join you from here on the home stage, in front of you, in front of the home audience. It's really good to so thank you so much for being with us today. It really is um, good to be home. We've been dealing with um, a subject matter which is really close to my heart and as regards why we trust the Bible, why we trust God's Word in our lives. And I, and I hope that last week's message as we kicked off the series, To Be Trusted, is something that might have spoken to you a little bit about being in the Word for a moment or for a season when some things are going well or some things are going good in your life. Well, then we, we kind of give credit to the Word. But when things don't go so well, we kind of find out and find ourselves doubting why God's Word, or if God's Word, is in fact the be-all and the end-all in our lives. And today I just wanted to extend that discussion a little bit more as we dive into this week's midweek service. So let's pray together, and then we'll get straight into the Word. Father God, we thank You so very much that You are our God. We thank You that we can come together from wherever we are in the world, and we can come around the table, this table that You have set to edify us, to encourage us, and to exhort us. Father, thank you so very much that you are a God who loves us and showers not just blessings on us, but also guides us and leads us and disciplines us and shapes us. Father, thank you that we can use this midweek time to come together and be taught by you, developed by you, and grown by you. Our minds and our hearts are right now, we are wide open to receiving that which you have in store for us. And we pray this now. In Jesus' name. And people from all around the world said, Amen and Amen. Now, if you remember correctly, last week we jumped into a very brief message as we launched the series, To Be Trusted, around understanding that, you know what, we need to stop just allowing Jesus, the Word of God, to be our focus at a season, but we really wanted to make sure that, that Jesus became the focus of our lives all the time. Remember that we read in that scripture in John 1 that Jesus came, but He didn't just come at Christmas. He came once for all time. He'd always been with God and will always be with God. You see, God's Word never ends. It never had a beginning. It's always been. And that Word is true for your life no matter what your situation is. And it doesn't matter what season you're going through. It doesn't matter what pains you're feeling. God's Word applies and is good and is true for your situation. I really want to encourage you today, if you haven't already done so, but open up the notes tab that's uh, available to you just below the chat room. And if you are watching this message, I really want to encourage you to get involved in the chat room because while I'm chatting and dialoguing, the hosts have been prepared with, with discussion points and, and things that you can use to get more out of today's message series. So just dive into the chat room. Um, but before you do that, just open up the notes tab. Uh, if you don't want to open up the notes tab and you want to open up a physical Bible, I really want to encourage you to, to take your Bibles out and have a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 35. We're going to read that together, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit in summary of last week's message, and then we're going to delve in to what the Lord is showing us today. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 35 says this, at that time, and we're talking about the time when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple for the very first time as a baby, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout 
and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at that, what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Wow. Here was a man who had sold out himself, had, had completely devoted. The scripture said he was a devout man, and he had completely devoted himself to being led by a promise, being led by the Word of God. Now, whenever I mention the word, Word of God, I want you to think of promise. And whenever I mention the word promise, I want you to think of Word of God. Because you see, God is entirely built up and is made up to provide you hope. His entire grace, His entire love, everything about God is to give you a future and an eternity. It's about a promise of hope. It's about something still to come that will, will make sure that what you have already been given comes to full fruition. You see, you have been given everything you need to live this life, but we all have a desire for there to be more. And As we have a look at what's going on in the world, we can understand that, you know what, our more is not really going to be found in the world. No, our more is going to be found in the promises of God. And Simeon knew this. He devoted his entire life to hearing about the coming of the Word, the coming of the Messiah. He was completely sold out and praised God around the fact that the Word had become true. The Word had become genuine and real in his life when Jesus arrived. The, the Scripture says that, that, that Mary and Joseph were amazed at this man and were amazed at what he had said about Jesus. He was truly an amazing man because he lived his life according to the Word. And there he was, Holy Spirit-led. He got an, an unction in, in, in one morning to say, today's the day that you will see the fruition. You will see the hope. You will see the promise in reality. Wow. I live my life for that moment of, of seeing God's promise become reality in my life. And you know what? We get wrapped up all the time in seeking something that which is still to come, and we don't live our lives as if it has already come. We, we, we sometimes get so wrapped up in the maybe, coulda, shoulda, and we don't realize that God's word has already been spoken in our lives, and the promise that he has assured us is as real right now as it will be when we see him face to face. The promise that we, we can enjoy right now is as genuine and as real as if it was happening right now. Your healing. Your release from that situation that you, you're struggling with has already occurred. We now need to walk out that which we have already been or have already received from God. 
What have we received from God? We have received a spoken promise. We have received a spoken word from Him, and we can guarantee that that which He has promised will come to be. We can be as devout to the activity of the promise as Simeon was. Can I say that again? We need to be as devout to the activity of the promise. How many of us get wrapped up in activity, but we don't get wrapped up in the activity of the promise of God? What do I mean by getting wrapped up and being devout around the activity or the promise of God? I mean that we walk healed. We don't walk sick. We walk free. We don't walk captive. We walk with release. We walk with confidence. We journey with life knowing that we are chosen, that we have received everything we need from God. We walk with a confidence, not a pride. We walk knowing that God has chosen us and that we are, in fact, God's chosen ones, even when it doesn't feel like we're very chosen. You see, Simeon lived devoted to the revelation of God's Word in his life. He, he didn't need to look at God's Word and wonder when it would come. He looked at God's Word and knew it would come and lived his life accordingly. He woke up every morning and said, Holy Spirit, is today the day? And when it wasn't the day, he didn't get despondent and disappointed because he knew that at one point, baby Jesus would arrive there in the temple for him to see. He lived a life sold out to the Word. Simeon had been given a promise, and that promise was one that he refused to be distracted from. Now, I don't know about you, but you might be joining us today from wherever you are, and you're in a place where you don't really trust church. You don't really trust these these God-speaking flakes that walk around saying, thus saith the Lord, and, and God bless you, and hallelujah, and all the things that, that Christians seem to say. And, and really, when you dig a little deeper, sometimes those Christians don't mean what they say. Well, well, Simeon, the example given here in Scripture, wasn't one of those people. He was one of those people who genuinely believed that what God said was true. So today, as you listen to this message, I don't want you to be thinking to yourself what Christians or other people have said to you. I want you to be hearing what God has said to you. Because you see, God is not a flake. God is not a hypocrite. When God speaks His Word, it will come to be if we are willing to be faithful and walk out the activity of that Word and, real, and see it really happening in our lives. Simeon lived it, Simeon spoke it, Simeon believed it, Simeon saw it, even though it hadn't happened yet. There's a definition in Scripture about that. It's called faith. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the assured expectation of the things hoped for, assured expectation of the things hoped for, not just a general expectation, not just a desire, not just a what if, could if, maybe, no, an assured expectation, it's going to happen, of the things hoped for, though not yet beheld. You see, we often say in, in society today that seeing is believing. When it comes to God's Word, believing is seeing. You see, Simeon believed, and he saw it happening over and over in his mind. So when that day came, he knew 
that that was the final promise, Jesus Christ arriving. He believed it like he knew no other. He would not listen to any doubt in his mind. When the Holy Spirit prompted him, he knew exactly what he had to do. He knew exactly how he had to react. He lived it as if it had already happened. He lived in this divine truth. You see, he knew that God's promises would never fail him. Now, you might be living in a situation right now where you find it very difficult to believe that God's promises will never fail. You see, you might be looking at it and going, well, why does God allow all this evil? Why doesn't he just step in and do something about it? Why, why, doesn't, why doesn't God do this? Or why doesn't God do that? And the reason is because God has already provided a solution to all of the world, mankind's problems. He's already put in place a spoken word for even the situation that you're finding yourself in. You just need to adopt it, grab onto it, run with it, and live your life like Simeon did, completely devoted to the eventual revelation of God's word in your life. I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about the alternative what other word we have that we should be looking at and believing in? I don't know about you, but there's more good in the Bible than there is in the world. You might understand what I'm saying when I, when I talk to you about a father figure in your life that looked at you and said, you'll never amount to much. Maybe you, you're thinking of the advertising world that is always telling you that what you've got isn't enough. You need more. This world is not going to give you the kind of life promises that God can give you. Call me stupid. Call me an ostrich with my head in the sand. It doesn't matter. I would rather follow and be devoted to the goodness of the promise of God than the emptiness of the promise of the world. Am I making sense to you today? You see, when I look at it, I would rather be devoted to God's Word, knowing that it will come. Maybe that's over-positive. Maybe you're saying, well, Craig, it's, that's just mind over matter. Well, you know what? God's mind for me matters. His Word for me matters. And He's told me that the Word He's given me matters. And it matters to you. The Word He's given to you, the promises He's given to you matter as well. And we shouldn't be distracted by this world. Like Simeon, we should be devoted to knowing what God is saying. I'm tired of people saying I feel condemned by God. I'm yet to find a condemnatory promise, a condemnatory word in the Bible from God. I don't know about you, but you might find that, that, that you, you, you walk around going, God doesn't love me. I've done so much wrong. I, I always feel so condemned by you Christians. I always feel so downtrodden and, and, and not good enough when I get with you Christians. Remember I asked you at the beginning to judge God's word with God speaking it to you, not people. People are fallible. People make mistakes. But I can tell you now, that God's word will always teach you, will always lead you, will always guide you to good, love, and grace. The world's words will always lead you to that condemnation. Don't be blinded. Don't be fooled. The condemnation that you're feeling is probably because you've been listening to the world 
and not listening to God's Word. I'm tired of living a life feeling like I'm not good enough, feeling like I haven't amounted to anything, feeling like I'm living under a cloud of, of potential but not realizing my full potential. Have you ever had those words spoken over to you? You have a lot of potential. All that means is that you've got a lot going on for you, but you're doing nothing with it. And, and, and people are just kind of saying to you, I wish that you'd get on with it and do it, what, what, what's been laid out in front of you. God's Word gives us the potential, and He also gives us the ability to do something with that potential. He encourages us to get moving, to get going. He never just stands there and wags the finger and says, oh, I wish you would get moving. No, He gives us everything we need through the Word, through Jesus Christ, to get moving and get going and to do something, living the activity of the Word. The world, on the other hand, would have us stagnate into this morbid sense of mediocrity because you're too scared to take a step forward just in case you get it wrong. God's Word, on the other hand, teaches us that with His grace and with Him in our, in our view that we can never get it wrong, His Word will always encourage you and lead you onward. The world's Word will always pull you down. So how is it that we can find a way of trusting what is the Word of God and what is the Word of others in the world? Well, if God's Word edifies you, encourages you, exhorts you and says, go on, do more, well, then it's God's Word. If the Word you're receiving makes you feel down about yourself, condemned about yourself, not good enough, never amounting to much, not being able to achieve anything, you need more, you need to get more, well, then it's not from God. And I can guarantee you, if you start seeing your life through the lens of God's Word impacting you for the good, you'll begin to identify God's Word a little bit more readily in your life. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11 speaks about God's Word in a very unique and awesome way. It starts unpacking the very mechanism that God uses to communicate to us. It starts unpacking how it is that God will never ever allow us to feel left out and that His Word always achieves everything. So Isaiah 55, and you're more than welcome to open that scripture uh, up in your Bibles. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, maps out how God's Word operates. Have a look at it. It says this in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, but then I'm going to unpack it out of the King James Version. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, says the Lord. I send it out. It always produces good fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Can I say that again? It always produces good fruit. It always exhorts, edifies, and encourages you. It always produces good fruit, and it will always accomplish what it sets out to do. It will also always prosper wherever God sends it. 
Let's have a look at those three statements about God's word that Isaiah 55 tells us. He says, this is how my word will be. So shall my word be. This is how my word will be, he says. The first thing, it shall not return to me void. If God's word was untrue or void in any way, can you imagine what would happen to all of society? Can you imagine what would happen to the whole universe? If God's word were untrue, his words of let there be light would be untrue. There would be no light. There would be no E equals MC squared. There would be, there would be no planets. There would be no moon. There would be no earth. There would be no you. There would be no me. And God's word, it tells us, works once for all time. When he speaks a word, it's true for all time. So if he had to speak an untrue or an avoid word now, it would undo all of his words through all time. The whole universe would collapse. The whole planetary system would fall on its face. Gravity wouldn't exist. Nothing would exist. We would go straight back to that black, dark void where we started. If God's word were void, the universe would collapse. But here's the thing for you and me. If we void God's word in our lives, we suffer a personal collapse. And then what do we do in that moment of personal collapse? We turn to God and blame Him for everything else that's going wrong in our lives. And we void His promise. We void His word even more. When we void His word, when we start walking outside of His promises, when we start believing the world's word for our lives and saying that the world's word should be trusted, we suffer personal collapse. So many times people were giving me advice on how to live my life and how to do certain things. And I remember clearly the one day my, my father would look at me and, and he said something that was pretty hurtful. He said something that was really mean and, and, and hurtful to me. And I received that word into my, into my heart. I, I took it in. And no matter how long it took, until I rooted out the void word and planted a word that could never be void in my heart, I walked in personal collapse. I walked my life believing what my father had spoken over my life. And so wherever I went, what he had said to me, I walked out and almost deliberately tried to make happen. I, I lived the void word and suffered personal collapse. But the same is true when I eventually rooted out that void word and placed in my heart a, void, a word that could never be voided. Now all of a sudden, I had a reason to walk out good, walk out joy, walk out peace, walk out in healing. I could walk out all of those things. I could do them. Why? Because the source of my revelation was the goodness of God's word that will always do good for me, that will always call me, cause me to prosper, and will always cause me to flourish. So shall God's word be. How do we void God's word? How do we, how do we take something which is so strong and so real and so true? How, how, do, we, how do we void it? 
Well, we do things like speaking against it. When we know that God has promised us a good life, we speak, say things like, well, things could go better. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing as much as I could be because I don't feel like I have reached my full potential. I, I, I have doubts about whether or not I'm good at this or good at that. Or, or maybe you, you're like me and you look in the mirror sometimes and go, I'm just not good enough. You see, when we speak things which bring us down, pull us away from the goodness of God's promises, we are in fact voiding God's life in our lives. Now the whole universe won't collapse because you've voided God's word in your life, but I can guarantee you that it's like saying that you don't believe in fairies and somewhere a fairy dies. <laughs> I know that's a crazy illustration, but when we void God's word in our lives, somewhere we suffer a sense of personal collapse. Maybe not right now, maybe not tomorrow, but as we walk in a world void of God's word and speaking against it, there is definitely a personal collapse that follows. When we doubt it, we void it. Here's my personal, personal work, work in process. is when we get distance from it. When we, when we have a holiday and, and we're gone for so long from our personal rhythms, we, we're not in the Word as much. We're not listening to the promises of goodness and life for us as much. Well, as we distance ourselves from it, whether deliberately or simply by circumstance, when we lose touch with it, we can find ourselves in a place believing that the alternatives are true, that the world might have some truth to it. So the first thing we have to understand is that God's word spoken for you will never cause personal collapse. It will never return void. It will return having brought you a sense of love, a sense of joy, a sense of peace, a sense of direction, a sense of purpose, and a sense that you are chosen and that you have eternity at hand. His voice, His word will never return void. However, we have the power and the authority given to us by God to choose whether we accept His word never being able to be void, or we void His word by our actions, words, and deeds. Like Simeon, I not only want to speak the word of God in my life, I want to live out the activity that the promise has made for me. The second thing that that scripture says is that God's word shall accomplish what God pleases. What does God please? Well, he is pleased, he is pleased with us. He's pleased with you and with you and with you and with me. He's pleased and he's so pleased with us. He so much wants to have relationship with us that it says that he sent his only begotten son to let us know that he loves us and he's pleased with us. When we identify with Jesus Christ, he is well pleased, says Scripture. When we accept our identity in Christ, it pleases Him. And so when it says, what does He please? He pleases to promise through His Word great and wonderful things for you and for me. I've written down in the notes, and if you're following in the notes, you'll, you'll notice I've, I've just written down seven 
of the promises that pleases God. The first is in Philippians 4 verse 19. He's promised that he will supply every need that we have. Yes, even to those who are suffering right now from massive financial fallout, or you're looking at the debts that Christmas has brought, he will supply every need. All we need is to focus our attention in that need on Jesus Christ and do things his way, the way his word describes And you'll see the supply. You will see God coming through for you. Number two, God has promised that he has made provision for our salvation. That if we love Jesus, we cannot sin ourselves away from having a relationship with him. If we genuinely love Jesus Christ and in faith believe that he is the son of God, that he stepped out of the heavens, came down to the earth, died, buried, and resurrected to the right hand of the Father, and that He is our King, we have salvation. We can have that even though we make mistakes along the way, we we do things and say things that we shouldn't, that that word stands, that that word will never change, that through Jesus we can have salvation. He's promised us that we will be able to have strength to overcome the world. He's promised us that we will have the strength to overcome all things of this world, that we are conquerors, more than conquerors, as Brother Dwayne taught us this past weekend. God has promised us that we can have victory over death. God has promised us that He will make sure that all things work for the good to those who love and serve Him faithfully. God has promised us that those who believe in Jesus are baptized for the forgiveness of sins will be saved. That word cannot change. That word will never change. If we believe in Jesus and we are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, He will make a way out for you. He won't change His mind. He won't add anything. He won't move the goalposts. No, His word is stable and true. It does the things that please him. God has promised his people eternal life. John chapter 10, 27 and 28. You see, God pleases to make these promises to you and know that those promises will never fail. That is what pleases God the most. Watching us come to a revelation, a realization That what he has said about us, what he has promised you, can be counted on. And then the third thing that Isaiah 55 and verse 11 speaks about, it says that it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Look at me now, everybody around the world, look at me. Look at me here in the room. Say to your friend, your neighbor, say to yourself, it's okay, you can speak to yourself if you're on your own. I am the thing. You see, it says in that scripture that he will make sure that to that which he sends it, the thing to which he sends it, will prosper. It will do well to the thing which I sent it. And you and I are the thing he sent the word to. For God so loved you and I that he sent his word, he sent his only begotten son for us. And so... The thing that he sent it for is you and me. 
He sent it so that we could prosper. He sent it for all. Have a look at how Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says this. It says, Understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Do you see how Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 links God's word to lavishing it on us? God's whole word, Jesus Christ, came to show love. That is what pleases God. And when we realize that his word is not here to condemn, but is here to build up, is here to help, is here to encourage, is here to exhort, well, then you'll realize that God wants to lavish his love on you and me. And when we get into a place of knowing that we're loved, we prosper. Can I say that again? When we get to a place of knowing that we are loved, we prosper. When you know that your mom and your dad think the world of you, you seem to be able to find it in you to go and take on the world. When people look at you and, 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 they know that, and you know that they're thinking well of you, you tend to have a sense of well-being. And so when we know that God looks at us and it pleases Him to love you, through His Word, He lavishes that love on you so that you can know the divine prosperity that He wishes for you to know. So that you can know that His promises are true. You don't have to look left or right. You just have to look at the Word, Jesus Christ, and you will know that God loves you immensely. That Scripture that we opened up with, uh, the one we read in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55 goes on to show us what will result, what will be true in our lives, what will happen in our lives when we completely and utterly get sold out to the revelation of God's Word in our lives. Have a look. Once we understand that God's Word will never, ever return void. When we understand that it accomplishes what God pleases and that it will always cause us to flourish and have abundance, when we, when we get this in our hearts, when we get this in our soul, when we know it deep down like Simeon knew it and nothing else detracts us from that word, then we will have a next. Then we won't just be living in the immediate problem. No, we will be able to look up and see tomorrow, see next week, see next year with joy. In fact, we'll be able to look up and see for all eternity a relationship with this love-giving God. Isaiah 55 verse 12 to 13 concludes like this. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, where once there were problems, where once there were broken relationships, where once there was disease eating away at your very flesh, where once there was pain, and where once there was hurt, 
emotional and physical, well, cypress trees will grow. Where difficulties and nettles are pinned at you and prodded at you, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. These events that Scripture is saying will please the Lord. When you see and realize God's Word actually happening in your life, that pleases the Lord. And what will they be a sign of? That Scripture concludes like this. There will be an everlasting sign of His incredible power and His incredible love for you. God's Word is to be trusted because it always has your best interests at heart. Never will God ever speak a word that will harm you, hurt you, steal from you, or destroy you. His word will always build you up, encourage you, enhance you, promote you, flourish you, cause you to have abundance. When we walk out with complete faith, sometimes even blind, when we walk out that word, we will see God's incredible power and His incredible love operating in our lives. Let's pray together, and then we'll go to the Lord's table to receive today's communion elements. Father, we thank You so very much that Your, void, your Word is never void, that You always speak what pleases You, and what pleases You is love and joy and peace and wonder. And Father, that Your Word will always cause us to flourish and grow. And just because of this, we can trust everything you've ever told us and every promise you've ever spoken to us. Father, thank you that because of your word, all good has already been accomplished. And now we will walk it out. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.